Should we see if we can do the intro in unison? Like yeah, if sure. Ca- if we count down three, two, one, and well, then we try and do, uh, not know what the intro is going to be exactly. Just kind of. Well, see I'll tell you we what. Can... If we start both start with saying hello and welcome to the mailbox rose gallery, yeah. and then just see where we both go from there. Okay. Okay. So three, two, one. Hello, Hello and, and welcome, welcome to, to the, the Mailbox, Mailbox Rogues Gallery. Gallery. I'm with... Oh, it's so head. professional. We were, That was like, I feel like real radio DJs, like, talking at the same time. That's it. That's the intro. We'll keep that. Okay. Yeah, right. no, I'm very pleased with that. So most professional one, yeah, that's the sad thing. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> one take, you know, and we just keep going. We just keep going. Yeah. We're professionals now. We're in double digits, episode-wise. We are, yeah. And age-wise, you just had your tenth birthday. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was a it was a lovely affair. It was, uh, yeah, a really special occasion. It was. I really liked the Spider-Man cake you had. Yeah, I didn't expect the Spider-Man stripogram to come out of it, but uh... <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially such a small cake. Well, yeah, that's what I thought. It was it was literally a spider, though, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. I'm not even sure that was a stripogram. I think that might have actually just been a spider. Oh right, just <laughs> just a coincidence. <laughs> it was a spider in the cake. I guess that makes more sense. Did he deliver a message? Um. Gram implies message, doesn't it? Telegram, stripogram. Yeah, well, there wasn't one that I... Sp- I, I don't speak spider, so I don't know. And I do, and i got nothing. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Just assume not. So, anyway, um, happy birthday. I know I told it to you on the day. Thanks for the goodie bag. No, it was quite all right. Thanks uh, for coming. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Bouncy Castle was mm. lovely. Moving swiftly along, I suppose we get on to our Rogue for the Week. Yes, a real rogue, a nasty one, this one. Yeah, well, it's it's Dolly Parton, isn't it? It's only bloody Dolly Parton. Queen of country. Queen of country, yeah. Queen of this country. Queen Dolly Parton the second. That's true, yeah. Not a lot of people really realise, because they look at their money and they just assume that Queen Elizabeth the second is the, uh, the, the reigning monarch. Because she's on the money. Yeah, but the people aren't on the money. They're, in fact, wrong. See what I did there? Like, on the money? Oh, right. Yeah, I didn't, actually. I wasn't <laughs> no, I... following that at all. You Glassy look in, in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that was quite cohesive. Well done. Uh, no, uh, Liz uh, abdicated, uh, of course, and who better to take over the throne than Dolly Parton? Yeah. You know, she's putting the hours, hasn't she? Oh, yeah, yeah. She she kind of keeps her own place every once in a she's while. She's been working nine to five. <laughs> <laughs> we got that one out of the way. That's done. That's done. Professional. Um... Well, where do you want to start? I suppose we could start with... I've, I, I tell you what, I'll start by mentioning that you've printed out your notes this week. Yeah, they're you've, not handwritten. You, they're not. This is the first time you've had... Your, presumably you've dictated this to your secretary. Yeah, that's right. Um, she's done a great job. Very well notated, I mm. can tell from here. Oh, I've just yeah. got like a single A5 piece of paper. It's not even probably A5. It's just a bit of A4 that I cut in half down oh, the middle. Oh, I see. And I've, I've filled most of that. But you've got... What's that? Three pages of... Bollocks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I'll maybe I'll hand the reins over to you. Well, Dolly Parton. She was born on January the nineteenth, nineteen forty-six. She was the the fourth of twelve children. Don't you know? Mm. Very busy parents. Very busy parents. Yeah. Didn't mess around. Well, <laughs> well, they did. That's why there's so many of them messing around. Is yeah. <laughs> Grew up in Tennessee, one of the southern states. Now let me stop you here. You mentioned that she was born. What's her real name? Because Dolly isn't a real name, is it? Yeah. Dolly. It's not short for Dolores or... Neither of us thought to look, did we? No, Dolly. Dolly is her first name? Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I believe you. I looked online and everything. (laughs) Is it really? Really, really? Yeah, genuinely. 
Oh, wow. That's the source, anyway. I think that says a lot about her parents, eschewing standard naming conventions. Dolly is a, is a nickname, isn't it? I'm trying like, to think if I've met, ever met anyone called Dolly. No, I don't think I have. You might have used a Dolly. Beg your pardon? <laughs> Hang on, I'm confusing Dollies and Doilies now. Yes, you might have used a Doily. So yeah, she grew up in like a basically a, a little rustic cabin in the Tennessee woods. Very rural. When you think of her, I guess you kind of think of a lot of glitz, a lot of glam. Of course, uh, Dollywood, like her big home and like an amusement park. One of the biggest names in, in the industry. But she had very, very modest start in life. Well, that's I suppose that's the backbone of a country song, isn't it? Is mm. the, the romance of being poor and destitute and American. Yeah, and she was all of those things growing up. I did actually read something quite interesting, which was her family was so poor that they paid the doctor who delivered her a bag of oats. Mm, I saw that, yeah, a bag uh, of oatmeal. Now, I was thinking of that. There were 12 kids. They must have never had any breakfast in the house. They're just like... they're giving away their oats. Yeah, exactly. Day and night. Yeah. She's like, oh, can I, have, uh, can I have some oatmeal for breakfast? Sorry, we used it uh, for your, your brother, Jeff. Yeah. Jeff Parton. And the thing is, I mean, a bag of oats would last you a long, like a sack of oats that would last you a long, long time. But if every nine months you're giving away another bag, you're never going to get any of your porridge oats in the morning, are you? No, exactly. What would you, what would it take? Like, what could I pay you for you to deliver a baby for me? Would you do it for a bag of oats? Not really. Um, I, th- I mean, I think... Like Not paying really. for, <laughs> <laughs> I think paying for stuff with oats was very much uh, of its time. I don't think that would be quite acceptable nowadays. One thing, I don't really eat breakfast that often. I don't really like oatmeal and porridge. Well, you should sort that out. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. I have a bit of fruit. That, yeah, that counts, I guess. Yeah, yeah okay. Like so, uh, But I'm not saying I'm going to pay you oats. I'm saying what would you take as payment to deliver my baby? Please deliver this baby. Um, Other than money. This, this is what I'm getting at. Yeah, I see. Um... The child? Hmm. Ah, that could actually kill two birds with one stone. Yeah, that works out very well. Yeah, because I was going to have to bribe the adoption agency and I was going to find out if they wanted this bloody bag of oats, because you don't want it. No. So, um, yeah, that works. Okay, and I get to keep all my oats. Yeah, well, everyone wins. (laughs) Great. Well, I'm glad we we establish what payment you will take. Yeah. What are you going to do with my son? Well, I suppose he's none of my if... business now, but I'm just interested. No, no, no just curiosity. Fair, fair enough, yeah. No, yeah, just to let you know. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I could start some kind of uh, business or organisation and uh, use them essentially as slave labour. A bit like um, there will be blood. This is my son and my partner, H.W. Plainview. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could do that. I suppose. I mean, I'm not starting an oil business. What's popular? Oat milk. Oh. But you've already passed on the oats. Yeah. Uh, podcasts. Oh, that's an idea. I could start another podcast oh, with with what? your son. <laughs> I've sown like, the seeds of my own destruction. Like how you have with the Muppets, and you also had like Muppet Babies. Yeah. <laughs> Mailbox Rogues Gallery Junior. But it's just one junior plus you. Yeah. I suppose you're the cross generational, you're the bridge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that people kind of like know that they're in safe hands. And we'll talk about the most important issues like uh, nappy rash and. Uh, Drinking bottled milk. What things to put in your mouth, what you shouldn't. Yeah. I mean, I think that's pertinent even to my age. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose the mailbox... What are we called again? Uh, Mailbox Rogue Gallery Junior Edition. I suppose that's good for the fans who like you, but don't really like me. Mm. But they want the same-ish dynamic. They want want A. Kennelly. Well, that's a good point. Is he keeping my name or...? Um... 
not thought that far ahead. I guess for kind of continuity, we I suppose we could keep the name. Yeah, I mean, I'd appreciate that. I'd <laughs> like to have some sort of lineage, if you don't mind. <laughs> At least early on. Maybe when he starts remembering things, we could change it just before. Remembering things? I'm giving him to you. I mean, you're. You, in fact, you're just going to whip him right out. You're going to deliver him and then just keep him. What's he going to remember? All those times I yelled at him when he was in the womb. <laughs> Why don't you bloody get out? Yeah, come on. Lazy start, sod. Time you started pulling your weight around here. Asking him to pay rent. Womb rent. Womb rent, yeah. Oh, that's a good name for a band. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Do you think a heavy metal band or something a bit more, uh, maybe some obscure electronica? Uh, womb, I, I think that's like some kind of proto-punk, I mm. think. Yeah, or maybe like a kind of a, a Devo kind of uh, weird band like that. All right, I like it. I think we've pretty much covered that subject. Take us back to Dolly. To Dolly. The weird thing I will say about her is she's got um, a face that is not a human's face anymore. Do you know um, what I mean? It's uh, very pristine. Yeah. Sort of alien, isn't it? <laughs> it's a bit of a sci-fi face, Pristine, alien. <laughs> I was trying to be nice, but fuck it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think it's a bit of a sci-fi face. I think it's like, you know, a dark vision of the future, how we're all going to look Oh, well, <laughs> in like 100 years' time, you know? Big blonde bouffants and... Gigantic breasts. Yeah. Men and women. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I just... I'm not saying she's not beautiful in her own way. <laughs> I'm just saying that she's quite terrifying to look at because she's got, like, the face of a 20-something-year-old on a 72-year-old head. That's a compliment. I'd say. Yeah, but it's not a nice 20-something's face. Oh, right, someone who's kind of like <laughs> living a rough life. i say it's more like a 20-something who's been involved in a horrible car crash and had reconstructive surgery. Right, okay. I mean, she'd really have to fish for a compliment in there, I think. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, you look like a, you have the face of a 20-something-year-old <laughs> who's been badly traumatised <laughs> and <laughs> fucking... Ruined. Yeah, I might have to cut that out. That was very mean, wasn't it? It was a very mean thing to say about anybody. I don't think she's going for the own natural look, so I don't think she would be offended. No, she's very open about it, isn't she? Yeah. Um, about uh, kind of like her look and how people perceive her. Oh, there's this great quote that she said, which was, it takes a lot of money to look this cheap. <laughs> yeah, That's a really it. great line, isn't it? See, I like that. I like that she's got a good sense of humour about herself. Yeah, self-deprecating. Yeah. Yeah, do you know what I was going to say about the old uh, plastic surgery? Mm. Is it not a little bit of the old um, Trigger's broom situation? <laughs> right. So she's changed the cheeks and the forehead and the lips and the nose and everything. Is it still Dolly Parton? Yeah, I know what you mean. For people who might not be aware of the scientific quote, uh, the Trigger's scientific, broom. The scientific premise of Trigger's broom. Yeah. Uh, basically, it's referring to the sitcom Only Fools and Horses, where there's a character called Trigger, who's a broom sweep, and he said he's had the same broom for 20 years, and it's had, like, six new handles and seven new heads. Yeah. The joke being, it's not the same broom. Hilarious. But I think it's amazing that you feel like you have to explain that to anybody. Who's listening to this who hasn't seen Only Fools and Horses? Um, oh, you'd be surprised. I... I'm sure there are people out there who, who If haven't. there's anybody listening to this who hasn't seen Only Fools and Horses, stop listening right now. We don't want you as a listener. You're dead to us. Yeah. I mean, go or you go and listen to it and then come back. Oh, yeah, go watch the show and All is forgiven. Back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Yeah, I should I should add that, um, like, from now on, the podcast is only going to be 
um, Only Fools and Horses jokes. And references, gonna, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that's all we're going to do now. So if you're not up to speed, then there's no point you being here. Yeah, I think that's our key to success. <laughs> and this time next year, Birch will be millionaires. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so yeah, her face isn't her anymore. Your words, not mine. Well, that's what you were getting at. <laughs> I posited it as an idea. Yeah, well, I guess... I guess because, like, who we are is basically how... Oh, it's getting very philosophical now. Who we are is kind of like how uh, people respond to us, I guess, in a lot of ways, and, and how we're kind of, like, perceived by the mm. world. Um, so that would certainly have a, an impact. So to a certain extent, I guess you could say she's not the same person. She's a different broom. Yep. A different breed and a different broom. That's, that's what I'm going to say at the end of the episode to sum up Dolly Parton. Unless I forget... Got a new set of bristles on her. <laughs> so, uh, would you ever consider having plastic surgery? I've had it already. Really? Yeah, loads. That's amazing. I n- never noticed. Yeah, I mean, do you not remember what I used to look like in secondary school? It was a long time ago. I mean, I was a Prince Charles lookalike, professionally. Oh, right. Do you not remember? I looked exactly the spit of Prince Charles. Now that you the big ears. Yeah, no. Oh, yeah, it's, it's all coming back to me now. Yeah, I, I do seem to remember that that was the kind of career that you were gearing up for. I mean, a- I was a, a career I was literally born into. I mean, I didn't really have much in the way of other options because I tried applying for other jobs and people thought I was Prince Charles. Mm. They wouldn't let me work for them. They just said, it's just sort of bowing and being all deferential. Mm. And I said, no, I really, I'm, I'm not Prince Charles. I'd really like some work. And they said, oh no, you, you get enough from the taxpayer. You know, it was, it was terrible. No, yeah, I mean, I, I remember you saying actually going back a few years now, but you telling me how you were kind of like bred at one of these Prince Charles uh, lookalike farms that you hear so much about. Yeah, I wasn't very happy there to be honest. I'm glad when they finally released me, aged fifteen. Once they <laughs> nice kind of... to get out of the cage. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember they had that panorama scoop on the place like a while ago. Like the, That's how I got out. I don't envy you at all just like seeing the footage of like these little Prince Charles's in like these little cages. Just like, get me out. Yeah, yeah. I and like I didn't what I managed to do is I, I snuck in uh, the camera bag of the panorama people. So that's how I got out. I just hit, stowed away and uh, made it out to the outside world. So yeah, I've had quite extensive plastic surgery to make myself look a little bit a little bit less like Prince Charles. Mm. Obviously, uh, wearing the eye patch helps, and all the other facial configurations I've got, such as the handlebar moustache, and the fact I wear this tricorn hat. Yeah, I didn't want to say anything, but yeah, it's... Uh, it's a different... I'm going for a different look now. It's more of a sort of pirate look. I think it suits you. Yeah. Problem is, now I keep getting mistaken for Captain Jack Sparrow, <laughs> and that's potentially worse. <laughs> I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, as as we're kind of like uh, coming clean with the whole plastic surgery thing, I, I'll admit I, I've had some work done as well. Oh, really? Mm. I couldn't tell. No. Well, you see, I I used to look uh, just like Sonny and Cher. Sonny and Cher. Yeah. People always like I used to walk down the street and people were just like, oh, look, it's, it's Sonny and Cher. It's not Sonny. I'm, I'm one person. I'm <laughs> yeah. not Sonny and Cher. I'm not Sonny or Cher. What is? What was going on there? What was going on? Was that some sort of like perspective well, hallucination? Well, you'd have to see a picture of it to kind of like fully understand it. Yeah. But I, I can't explain it to people. All I can say is that I was mistaken for two separate people who were very popular in the in the seventies and eighties. 
Wow, okay. But you were recognised as two people, but at the same instant. I was recognised as Sonny and Cher, but I was, I've always been me. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's that whole thing like that we were just talking about. The way the world perceives you is, is essentially what you become. Like, I'd find myself doing duets. On your own? On my own, yeah. yeah. And that's not something I don't think anyone else has been able to say about themselves. No, no, it's a bit tragic, really. I mean, I'm sure you've set some sort of world record there. Most duets performed on... On your own. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, I still hold the record for that, but it's, it's not one that I'm particularly proud of. It's a very shameful part of my time. Uh, sorry. It's a very shameful part of my life. Um, but what really... I thought you stopped yourself then because you are going to say a very shameful part of our life. Oh, no, no, I've, I've, had, I've had the therapy. I, right, I, don't, okay. I don't say our or we anymore. You've disassociated from that second personality now, yeah. Yeah, well, it all culminated in when I went on a skiing trip and uh, very badly kind of like hurt myself. And it was at that point that I uh, kind of realised part of me has died. Maybe I should kind of like find out who I am. And uh, that's when I went through quite strenuous psychological and uh, physical evaluation. But, you know, it's for the better. And I, 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 don't, I don't sing those songs anymore. And when I walk down the street, people assume it's just me and yeah. not, not two musical icons. I, I'm, I will admit, I it would have been nice to get a rendition out of you. Just a bit of I Got You, Babe, would have been lo- lovely. But I appreciate that it's probably quite close to the bone for you, Yeah, I've, I've bringing not, that up. I've not picked up the, the mic in, in quite a while, so I'll... Uh... I'll have to give it a miss. Maybe mm. one day I'll, I'll feel comfortable enough to do it again, but we'll see. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll have some cracking karaoke, I'm sure. <laughs> well, I wish you all the luck in the world on your journey as James Birch to you, James Birch. Thank you. And the same to you, Sean Kennelly, not Charles. Did you ever sort of use it to your advantage? Maybe try um, picking up a royalty check um, for Sonny and Cher. Are you looking at me like you're very upset that I asked that? No, I well, suppose it is a criminal endeavour. I just thought, you know, think of the money they must get off of Groundhog Day because they play that song about 80 times in that film. Mm, I reckon mm. there's a payout every single time. Well, there was a point in my life that I'm not particularly proud of. You know, I kind of like turned to drugs and alcohol and impersonating Sonny and Cher. And I would kind of like take their, their royalties from th- that song i even did so many tv appearances in america right as as the pair of them like i'd I'd be going on jay leno and like all of these big chat shows in america and and jay leno would be there just like oh the pair you look fantastic and i'm just like there oh yeah thanks yeah we're um yeah we're staying in shape and all that kind of stuff yeah what really put a spanner in the works with that i think is when sonny bono actually died yes i was going to ask about that so I'd be going on like some American chat show thinking I'm going to get a few more royalty checks to kind of like feed my alcohol and drug habit. I'd be going on there to shock and consternation and uproar. I'd be like, well, what's going on? And then they'd be like... Haven't you heard the news, Sonny? You're dead. You died in a tragic speedboat accident, if s- I remember. Skiing. Was it skiing? That's why I mentioned skiing earlier. Yeah, well, I suppose if you're speedboating down a mountain, you're probably likely to oh, yeah. have an accident. Wasn't it the smartest idea? No. No. But no, so I, I kind of like stood out there and everyone just like thought they were seeing a corpse. I tried kind of like turning to my side. Hope- giving them a bit of share. Yeah, giving them more of share than, yeah. than Sonny. But I didn't know how it worked. I just kind of like, they started gasping even more. I, did, I wasn't sure how my own body was working at this point. Yeah. Fled the studio, being chased down Los Angeles streets by all these kind of like paparazzi taking pictures of me, like the ghost of Sonny Bono <laughs> running down the street with Cher. 
And um, <laughs> so they, at, at this point, paparazzi are under the impression that the corpse of Sonny Bono has reanimated and kidnapped Cher. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and is whisking her away through the streets of LA in a high-speed pursuit. That's right. Well, I was I was holed up in this burnt-out building for about five days. Police outside, snipers trained on all the windows. It's like, we know you have share. Come out, Mr. Bono. We need to take your corpse back to the morgue. And I was just like... It's not very often that a police officer gets to say those words, is it? I'm sure they're delighted in Oh, that. they relished it for five days. They wouldn't stop. It was such a weird scene. Like, these police, there were fans outside. It sounds weird, Kind yeah. of, like, asking for signatures and photos with Sonny and Cher. You had these kind of evangelists out there who were thinking that I was the second coming of Christ in the body of Sonny Bono because uh, I'd risen from the dead. Yeah. It was just such a strange five days. Eventually, I had to kind of, like, come clean and say, look, I'm not Sonny or Cher. And I had to tell them, like, I'd been pocketing their royalties for all these years. Ended up doing a, a bit of time uh, because of it. And, but, you know, it was the wake-up call that I needed because I feel like I'm me now. You look a lot more like you. Mm. Apart from the real you, looks like Sonny and Cher. I mean, you look a lot less like you. Well, I look... Like how I am inside now. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. I noticed when you got the reconstructive surgery, you got a couple of little devil horns put onto the top of your head and a gun of goatee, which is just always stuck there. Yeah, well, that's just like a kind of a reminder. It's like never forget that you are an absolute terror. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'll certainly never forget. (laughs) Uh, I reckon that's a place for a musical break. So you're a very big name in the, the world of country music, but also a big name in the field of science. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So you might remember in 1996 in the UK, scientists, for the first time, cloned an animal, which was a sheep, and they named the sheep Dolly. I do remember. That's to do with Dolly Parton, is it? Yeah, it was named after, named after Dolly Parton. It was her sheep? The original was her sheep. Is that why? Um, no, it was. It wasn't a sheep that belonged to her. They used well, some the clone of, wouldn't. But I mean, the no, original. No, what they did was they used some of Dolly's DNA and kind of like made a, a country singer sheep hybrid clone. Wow. Okay. Mm. That's quite a um, quite ambitious, really, in the it, field of science. It was considering that this was going to be the first animal clone that they, there was they they kind of like right off the bat they were just like let's make some hybrids let's get some celebrities involved yeah i think they maybe just went you know what if we're gonna do it let's, let's go, go large yeah. or just don't bother so let's make this one a singing sheep how's dolly the sheep's country music career gone um it kind of like fell flat quite quickly it's that thing where you kind of like have these pop stars on x factor and all that mm. for about a year they're kind of like the bee's knees and the talk of the town because they're new yeah but then just like very slowly their their star fades the novelty wears off doesn't it yeah, yeah. and it, it was similar with dolly the sheep i mean quite sad really i mean they, they chose dolly here's a quote from ian wilmot one of the scientists responsible for cloning yeah, I know the, Ian. The sheep. Oh yeah, you make yeah, yeah, Ian. Yeah, me, me and Ian hang out all the time. Yeah. Oh nice. Um, I was actually going to go to the pub with Ian when we're done with this. If you want to join him, I don't know if you've got any questions about Donny the sheep for later on. Oh yeah, well I'll, I'll have a ton of questions. Yeah, oh, it's a shame we couldn't have 
got him on to give his expertise. Yeah. Okay. Well, what's he? What did he say then? Well, yeah. I mean, we can check this with him in a minute. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, he said, yeah, um, Dolly is derived from a mammary gland cell. And we couldn't think of a more impressive pair of glands than Dolly Parton's. Ah, uh, that is classic, Ian. <laughs> that is classic, Ian. Because Dolly Parton's got big boobs. Yeah. And it's from a mammary gland, uh, which is a boob thing. Now, what I was thinking when I read that was if that sheep was cloned in the current year that we're in, 2018 at the time of this recording. Oh, well, thanks for dating it. This is meant to be timeless, mate. This is meant to be timeless. Well, I guess... It's meant to feel current whenever it's being listened to. Well, I guess it would likely still be current, like, if you listen to it afterwards. What I'm saying is, in the current climate, if somebody said, oh, yeah, we, uh, we've we named the sheep Dolly, and then they were like, oh, yeah, why, why did you do that? So like, oh, I named it after the Dolly Parton, because you've got big tits, hey! <laughs> now, I don't think that would fly today. No. In 1996 or 7 or whatever it was, I feel like it might have gone down a bit better. Yeah. Looking back to 1996... Just like, oh yeah, named it after a country singer with a big pair of baps. I'll be honest, when you said in this day and age, in this current climate, I thought you were going to say that nowadays they would clone a sheep with giant tits. <laughs> yeah. I thought that's where you were going with that. Millennials these days, that's uh, that's all they talk about with their iPods and their cloned sheep with big tits. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, a, it's just the direction my, my mind went off and only thinking of what you would be about to say. I'm as pure as the driven snow, me. Never would have crossed my mind. No, that's true. Have there been any other animal clones after Dolly the sheep? Because I know they, like, some twat put an ear on a mouse's back. Yeah, bastard. <laughs> yeah, they did a whole slew of them. After Dolly, they did um, Johnny Cash the oyster. <laughs> <laughs> um, they did uh, Mel Haggard the crow. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it sort of suits, yeah. doesn't it? You had uh, Willie Nelson the moose. Yeah, Willie the moose. Towns Van Sand. The squirrel? Yeah, yeah. He was always kind of squirrely anyway. Yeah. Always hiding his nuts in his guitar. And then after that, of course, they uh, covered the kind of late 80s, early 90s alt-rock and grunge rock scene. Of course, famously, they made Michael Stipe the peacock. Billy Corgan the corgi. That's right. Yeah, you had uh, Frank Black the walrus. That suits him so well, actually. <laughs> that really works. Yeah. And um, Kurt Cobain the parrot. Yeah, of course, yeah. Got shot with a, one of those kind of... It's like a BB gun, except it was just full of seed. Yeah, shot loads of seed <laughs> for his head. Very tragic. Who's keeping an eye on these scientists? Oh, well, I'm certainly not. I thought you were. <sighs> Bloody should be. All they're doing is just kind of like getting these kind of popular musicians, taking some of their traits and just making some animals out of, out of them. Quite a menagerie they've got going at the moment, isn't it? I'm sure it's a sight to behold. Oh, if they opened a zoo, they would make a killing. Maybe that's what they've been doing since 1996, working on an incredible zoo. Yeah, or maybe some kind of like Band-Aid kind of single, except just like with all these animals in a recording studio. Yeah, like braying donkeys and chattering animals. Yeah, I'd buy it. Mm. As long as I don't have to give any more money to Bob Geldof. Yeah, <laughs> and as long as the animal counterpart of Bono isn't uh, about... Maybe they make Bono into, uh, like, a goblin. It's, not, it's like a mystical animal. It's not a real animal, but it could work. You could, Maybe that's how goblins exist. Yeah, well, I mean, I was struggling to think of an animal, so, yeah, to kind of make him a goblin, yeah, I, I'd quite happily have that. Hmm, okay. I'm back on board with the scientists. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, I will increase my research money. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, increase my uh, Patreon I've got for them. Yeah, the funding shall continue. Good job, science. Well done. <laughs> You've got a lot more to say. I've got through most of mine. 
I mean, this is literally just the lyrics to 9 to 5. <laughs> so why have you got them printed out? I thought it would be quite funny maybe to do like a lyrical analysis. Potent- okay. Potentially. Yeah. Do we need to, to intro that or does what we just said count as an intro to that? Of course. Like she's very famous country musician. She's made a lot of uh, big and great songs. Like Yeah, you keep going on about it. We got Jolene. Yeah. We got... Um, the original I Will Always Love You. Yeah, her version is great. Mm. And probably my favourite and a very popular one, 9 to 5. Yeah, 95. 95, yeah. Very good song. It was kind of like a, what would you call it, like a, a look forward into the future as a dystopian 1995 uh, when she wrote it. Is that what you got from that? Yeah. Yeah, well, the song's called 95 and she released it, like, what, in the, in the 70s? Like, what else would she have been talking about? Okay, I've probably had a different interpretation of that song. All right. Um, I thought it was just about like working nine to five. Nine, nine to five. Nine to five, yeah. Well, like 925. No, no, not nine to five, number two. Like working from 9am in the morning until 5am the next morning. I think that's what it's about, isn't it? It's a long shift. Yeah, it is a long She's shift. She's really grafted. Yeah, who who can relate to that, though? Yeah. Well, so you you got a different idea of what the lyrics are about, have you? Y- yeah, well, I mean, like, listen, I've got the lyrics in front of me. Tumble out of bed, and I stumble to the kitchen, pour myself a cup of ambition. Oh. So, like, it's set in this kind of future where, similar to the film Equilibrium, where they have to take these pills to kind of like control their mood and their feelings to kind of like dull their senses and Mm. make them like sheep. This is looking at a future where they literally drink cups of ambition. cup of ambition, yeah. For the good of humanity to uh, build them up and kind of like so they can go explore the stars and make themselves like the superior force in the universe. Yeah, that is a bit sci-fi, that. Okay, go on. And yawn and stretch and try to come to life. Jump in the shower, and the blood starts pumping. What, what's futuristic about that? Well, you see, there's a little bit of a, a darker side to this. You kind of like have the achievers in this dystopian future who are drinking the cups of ambition, but then you've kind of like got the workers, the drones, who are literally working to an extent where they're bleeding, and they're the ones who are making sure that there's electricity, running water in the showers... So literally, she's okay. jumping in the shower, and the blood starts pumping. Like their pain is basically part of her everyday life, and she doesn't give any bit of notice to it. The kind of like protagonist in this song. So I feel she's very influenced by Aldous Huxley's vision in Brave New World of two very diverse, separated classes. Mm. Yeah, I see what you're saying there. Yeah, no, I know it was very prophetic of her to kind of like come up with this. And she says, "The traffic starts jumping. The folks like me on the job." From 95. The traffic starts jumping. So you've got cars with springs on the bottom now instead of wheels. Yeah, well... Boing, boing. Yeah, I know. Well, they have got this uh, ambition juice that they drink, and so they just found these, like, new little ways that they can travel around. I suppose, like, if there's one car doing it, bouncing over all the traffic, that car's going to get to work really early. But if everybody's doing it, that's just going to be a nightmare. Mm. Be bashing into each other in the midair. Well, it's a dystopia, not a utopia. That's a so. good point, yeah. And then it goes into the chorus. Working, 95. What a way to make a living. Barely getting by. 
it's all taken and no giving. And again, so this was this was her vision of 1995. Yeah, that's right. She was off, wasn't she? Because none of this has happened. Not as far as I remember. Unless it was like a very brief period in 1995. I was only four. Yeah, so I might not remember if any of that stuff yeah, happened and then faded away. Shit just went really sour on the 1st of January 1995. It started with the springing cars. Mm. Then they introduced the ambition juice. Mm. Got the drone workers. This like mass slave labour of millions of people trying to help the upper classes in this forced way. And by like 31st of December 1995, just like... I don't think we really want this. Yeah. I think we'll go back to how things were You know before. what? It's just not working out for us. Mm. I think I must have been um, the lower class in that scenario because I didn't have a Nintendo, whereas my next-door neighbour did. I think my next-door neighbour must have been one of the upper classes then in that case because mm. I never had a Nintendo and he did. I, you know, And I'm not angry about that. I'm, no. I'm not to this day. Obviously, I let go of that pain and anguish years ago. So, you know, let's just drop it, okay? Oh, it, I mean, it was a fault with our system rather than kind of like a human fault. I mean, I guess we did allow it to happen, but ultimately it was our government that uh, betrayed us. The Blair years. Oh, yeah. They we were, all remember him for that. They were dark times. Yeah. Was he 95? I thought he... No, that was probably John Major, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, bloody Major. Oh. Ugh. So, yeah, I mean, it talks about this almost capitalist dystopia. They just use your mind. They never give you credit. It's enough to drive you crazy if you let it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, or drive me crazy. All these other bits in the in the song, waiting for the day your ship will come in, like talking about spaceship. That's right, kind of like these dreams of these off-world colonies, quite like Blade Runner, mm. where there's this promise for a chance to begin again, like this great golden age of opportunity, like among the stars, which was kind of like force-fed to these worker drones just to keep them working with something to kind of live for and hope for. Yeah, and that's what Work in 95 is all about. Oh, well, I'm very glad that you gave us that reading. That was very helpful. I feel like I understand the song on a much deeper level now. I, I think a lot of people think of her as just some kind of, like, ditzy singer, Dolly Parton, when really she should be up there with um, J.G. Ballard, Philip K. Dick, H.G. Wells, like, really great minds of science fiction. Mm, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to campaign for that i think that's a torch i'll carry okay i'm gonna stand beside your banner bruce banner wait who's bruce banner was he played by eric banner in the film the whole bruce banner was paid played by eric banner in yeah the Hulk. that's what i was thinking <laughs> i get confused for which one's which sometimes <laughs> right so birch i will say um that you have not convinced me in the slightest that dolly parton is a rogue and deserves to be in the mailbox rogues gallery and I know I picked her for this episode. I feel like you need to convince me. Well, I need to make her out to be a rogue. Yeah. I... That's the rules of the podcast, mate. You signed up for this. Well, maybe we should have this like a kind of a, a room 101 thing where we go, should this person actually be a rogue? Oh, it's a bit, <laughs> it's a bit <laughs> late to be workshopping ideas. <laughs> 11 episodes in. It's a great idea, though. I don't know why we didn't figure that before. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so is she going in the mailbox rose gallery or not? Oh, fuck it. She'll have to, won't she? <laughs> yeah. We've got to stick Burner. to the format. Burner. We've got to stick to the format. <laughs> All right, in she goes. Sling her in. Yeah, that evil woman. Yeah, for reasons that we can't articulate. Mm. 
All right. Well, that's satisfies me. That satisfies my my lust to chuck somebody in the mailbox rose gallery. Yeah. Same. Well, in that case, we've done what we're here to do. We have indeed. So I'm going to sign off and say that my name's Sean. Email and all that. Sean email and all that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so where can people find us? People can find us in a fine plethora of places. Ooh. You can find us on Twitter at Mailbox Rogues. You can contact us via email, mailboxrogesgallery at gmail.com. You can listen to the podcast on YouTube, on Podbean, and on iTunes. And when on iTunes, if you're enjoying the show, please give it a rating and a review because it all helps to boosting the popularity of the show. Yeah, you you were running aground there with that sentence, but I feel like you got where you wanted to be. Um, we're also on Facebook, and it's yes. really helpful for people to share it. Just share on Facebook and tell people about the podcast. Share it, comment, review it, give it a star rating, do all that stuff. Cool. Well, I've been Sean. I've been Birch. Goodbye. Toodles. Am I doing the same theme tune? I feel like I got a bit lost. I forgot what our theme tune sounded like.